ask that as we uh, share, as we, as we dig into your word, Lord, that you would transform us. We know that your word is, is powerful. That reading it isn't just a, a cognitive, intellectual experience, that it's uh, an encounter with, uh, with you, that you change us. Do you rewrite the way our minds work? You set us free. You empower us to behave in, in new ways that, that transform us and transform the world. And that's what we really want as we engage with your scriptures. We, we come uh, wanting to be changed. Not just to learn something new or put a new tool in the toolbox, but to be be changed, to be made more like you. We love you, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen. First off, didn't Jake do a great job last week? Uh, beautiful. I mean, he's not here to hear the applause, but wonderful young, young preacher. And uh, it was uh, really, really fun listening to his sermon, listening to the podcast. You can listen to those on iTunes and SoundCloud and on our website if you wanted to catch up with that. Uh, but one of the things that Jake talked about, which was, uh, which was really, really brilliant, we, he was trying to stir us up and bring us to a place where we're not just sort of complacently uh, living. We're not sort of uh, complacently accepting everything that's, that's coming our way, that we're not asleep. Remember his big words from last week were, were wake up, like wake up. And he, and he shared this, uh, this passage from Revelation, we're going to look at it in a, in a few minutes, uh, about how we, we conquer. And, and the seven letters from the church of Laodicea, or to, to Laodicea and Sirtis and all these other churches, that it, it just sort of kept saying, conquer and I will bless you. Conquer and I will do that. And uh, what was really on my heart after listening to Jake's message was to just ask this question. How do Christians conquer? How do we, how do we conquer? What does that mean for us? That language of, of conquering, of course, if we're, you know, really uh, sort of steeped in our culture is like, oh, is that like colonialism? Is that like, uh, yeah, we're going to just sort of uh, conquer some other poor culture that doesn't... Uh, have the same strength as we are? Is, is that what we're talking about? Is this a, is this a militaristic thing? Uh, whatever. And we sort of wrestle with those images. But, but the idea of, uh, of conquering in the scriptures, in particular in this area where, where Jake was, was talking about, was how do we sort of conquer uh, the things that hold us back from following God? How do we conquer uh, the things that, uh, that, that, that bind us, the things that lock us down, the, the wounds that we carry with us? How do we go forward into a place of health? How do we go forward in a way that's uh, continually transformative uh, as people? And the, the thought that came to mind uh, was uh, a phrase that I use all of the time when I'm, when I'm doing counseling. Uh, and we don't, we don't do a lot of counseling. I, I wouldn't say that that's my, my strongest gift. I, I mean, I do really have a heart for people and, and really uh, engage. But, but there are lots of people that sometimes uh, are going to go through some longer-term uh, counseling. And I'll often refer them. But, but we do sledgehammer counseling in our house. 
<laughs> not really. We're, we we drink tea and have a nice nice time together as we help people work through their issues. Anna and I make a lot of tea in our house in the evenings. And uh, and what we always say is, you know what? I I don't have the same tools a professional counselor would have. I say I would say all I have is the ancient weapons of the church. All, all I really have is the, the ancient weapons of the church. The, the things that have for centuries been the things uh, since, since Jesus came and walked upon the earth that, that really set people free. The, the very basics of what it means to be a Christian and the, the tools, the weapons we have uh, to conquer the issues that we struggle with in our lives. And, and it's actually really, really simple stuff. And I thought, man, it would be so good for us to just talk about it. I'll tell you what we do in our living room. Because it, it shouldn't be something that pastors do in their living room. It should be something that every believer does in their living room as we care for one another and, and in the coffee shops. So not only that as ministry tools for you as you serve and care for your friends, but, but how, how does that conquering work in your own lives? And, and how do you let other people into that journey with you? So I'm just going to read uh, this passage uh, uh, from the book of Revelation and, uh, and talk about it a little bit, and then we'll just go into the, the ancient weapons of the church. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Notice that's past tense. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not live, or sorry, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So this is, uh, this is uh, from the book of Revelation. It's one of these little passages where, where you have uh, this great big story of what that sort of end peace might be like, the sort of final defeat of the enemy, uh, the final defeat of Satan, and, and the voices coming out from heaven and just sort of speaking into that and saying, uh, one, with a, in a declarative way, in a powerful way, now has come the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. And the very, very first thing to understand as we look to get free is that that is the context in which we as people are trying to get free. We are not trying to get free as people uh, who are stuck in a mess that we can't get out of. We are not trying to get free in the context of a world where, where we are powerless and we were completely underneath the oppressive weight of something that can't be changed. The context for the church in thinking about how we live forward, how we get free from our addictions, how we get free from our fears, how we get free from patterns in relationship where we're constantly hurting people and hurting ourselves is, is the context of the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah in the world. Jesus absolutely has the authority to set us free. Jesus absolutely has the power to set us free. And to set others free. That's who he is. When he rose from the grave, he rose to sit at the right hand of the Father, and he is king. And anywhere where his kingship is not happening, it's simply because people haven't got the memo yet. 
It's because people or, or evil spirits haven't got the memo. We understand the kingdom of God uh, to be a kingdom where Jesus has replaced the ruler of this world. He has sat himself on the throne. And anything that's not happening according to his will is happening as a rebellion, as an insurgency in the kingdom that is his. And as we live as Christians, we're calling on the authority of God to move forward and to, and to live in his way. And wherever his will is done, wherever his authority is established, then people get free and good things happen. Uh, he just affirms this. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before the God day and night has been hurled down. We have a contrast here between the authority and power of God and the enemy as someone who is somebody who accuses us. And, and I note that as his power. We note the power of the enemy, and we see it all over the New Testament. The power of the enemy isn't a tangible power to enforce his will on the earth. The power of the enemy is a power that uh, is a power of lies, a power of false words, a power of accusations. The only power that the enemy ever has on the planet is that which he fools people into thinking he has which he deceives people into thinking he has. And of course, this idea of accusation, this idea of guilt being poured on us. And of course, uh, through the power of what Jesus has done on the cross, there is no guilt. There is no shame. As we, as we uh, confess our sins and are transformed by Christ, we're set free uh, from all of that. So it says they triumphed over him. Now talking about uh, the, the people, now talking about uh, believers, the saints. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And that's what we're really going to unpack. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb, by a sacrifice made uh, for our sins so that no guilt, no shame, no fear, none of that holds us any longer. By the word of our testimony, by the declaration of what God has done in our lives, we're set free. And we set others free by saying those things that God has done to one another and teaching them. And then it says they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, that they were so excited about what God has done that they were willing to spend their time their energy, their resources, even up to their very lives to see that that message of the freedom of the kingdom of God had gone forth. So that's it. So how does that work? What does that mean? How, what are those tools by which the church does that? How do we triumph by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony, um, uh, that, that sharing of our story? And, and the first one, and these are just so simple and so basic, we should just talk about them more. We don't, we don't talk about it enough. The first one is, is simply this, confession. This is the first great weapon of the church. Your first great weapon in getting free from the darkness that you struggle with as a person. Uh, it says this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, there's just so many times, so many stories 
uh, of, of life and ministry where, where we hear from people that for so long they've been struggling with something. They've been struggling with pornography or they've been struggling with an addiction or they've been struggling with an unhealthy relationship and, and they feel isolated and they feel alone and they feel, how can I get past this? How can I get through this thing? Uh, I, I'm all alone. I don't have any help. Confession is your call for help. Your, your background might be Roman Catholic. Your background might be uh, where such that you have some other definition for confession where that's something that just has to happen to, through uh, a priest or there's, a, there's a, a religious connotation to it. But it's simply letting the truth of your reality be known to another human. And when we do that, confession breaks the enemy's power of isolation and fear. The darkness absolutely cannot withstand the light. The darkness can't withstand the light. I can't tell you how many stories. I, mean, I remember a story of a young man in, in high school. And this was back when I was in high school. And it was just, I, I, he was a friend and, and, and I cared about him. And I just, I could see this sort of darkness in him. Like just this kind of like hidden, churning thing that was going on. Like that he was just, just wrestling with. And I finally pulled him aside and I was like, you just got to tell me what it is, man. You've got to tell me what it is that you're wrestling with. And, uh, and, and it was a, a wrestling with, with pornography. Uh, that was before the internet, before anything. Uh, a young guy, like 18 years old, wrestling with, with this. And, and he said, can you come and help me clean my room? Can you come and, come and help me clean my room? And, and in that sort of, you know, so much embarrassment and so much fear and so much uh, uh, a pain in him over just, just, just being able to speak those words that that was his struggle. We, we went into his room and, and we came out with two garbage bags full of magazines out of this teenager's room. And, and, and our teens, they can, they can have, and our, and our adults, they can have a bazillion garbage bags on your laptop now but to speak that out to speak out that struggle whatever it is to another human being to whisper that in their ear and and, and it's just absolutely amazing how that's just such an important first step to having the power of that broken now that confession might be uh, something different that confession might be uh, just a confession that you you'd wrestled with abuse you were abused as a young person. You uh, had some sin committed against you uh, as a person. Whatever it is, whatever the source of that darkness is that's in you, you just can't carry it alone. Uh, the first weapon of the church to set you free is to just simply speak it to another human being that you love and trust. It's so critical for us to do that. And another uh, religious word, another tool, another thing that sets us free uh, renunciation. Renunciation. And that's not something we really talk about or teach about in our living room, in our, in our house. When we're uh, sitting there, uh, people will know, or people in our old youth group in Toronto really knew what it was like. Like, you got invited out for coffee with Aaron if things were cool, and if you needed ministry, you got invited over for Aaron and Anna with tea. Because uh, <laughs> uh, it's Anna that brings the, the velvet on my... 
iron fist, the velvet glove on the iron fist. Uh, she, she's got such a gentle heart and such a, a beautiful way of listening, and she just helps me hear people so much better. Um, but one of the things we will often do is we'll, we'll just say about a sinful pattern or, or, a, or a struggle that somebody is having, will you just renounce this? Will you just renounce it? Will you just say, I'm committing myself not to this pattern anymore? Uh, James, oh, sorry, that's not James 5.16, but it says, uh, I forget where that reference is. It says, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. That's Paul talking a little bit later on. Uh, he's actually talking about uh, uh, their ministry in 1 Corinthians at the beginning. 1 Corinthians 1, that's where that is. Uh, he's saying uh, about this ministry that they have in the spirit. We don't lose heart, but rather we've renounced secret and shameful ways. When you renounce that thing that is uh, that, it, that is, is harming you, that thing that you've been doing, that thing that's a pattern in your life that you need uh, to get rid of, you gain heart, right? That's the opposite of it. You gain an ability to fight. You gain an ability to move in a healthy way. Uh, we renounce it. And, and that idea of renouncing something is something that's written into the life of the early church in a way that we as, as Protestant Reformation Christians don't understand. A critical part of the baptism liturgy in so many communities is, is this, this phrase here, uh, do you renounce the devil in all his works? And we, you would say, I do. And we just sort of forget that, that need. We, we, we're, we're such rationalistic people, we sort of forget the spiritual warfare that we're in. And it's just so critical for us to just take a little bit of time and, and renounce this previous way of living that's been, that's been something that's, that's held us in bondage for so long. Uh, the, the classic uh, baptism liturgy that we don't do and maybe we should start doing when we do baptisms is, is just this. To, uh, to somebody I would be baptizing, I would say, do you reject Satan? And they would say, I do. And all his works, I do. And all his empty promises, I do. Do we as people reject that former way of living? So often we try to hold on to former ways of living and former patterns and, 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 and ease ourselves into lives of faith while, while holding on to Christ. And, and there's something really, really healthy about with a declaration of your words, making a clean break. The definition for renounce is to formally, formally declare one's abandonment of a claim, a right, a relationship or possession. I reject drugs in the name of Jesus. I reject my broken sexuality in the name of Jesus. I reject all of these things in the name of Jesus. I reject the works of the enemy in my life. And, and sometimes saying these bold words strengthens our hearts in amazing ways in amazing ways to declare a turn, to declare a change in your path, to declare a change in direction. Uh, the third uh, great weapon of the church is, is deliverance. It says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Uh, they will speak in other tongues, and, and the list goes on. Jesus' expectation for the church is that dealing with uh, demons, dealing with evil spirits, and, and there's probably a, a, a lot of teaching to go there to help us un understand that and understand where that fits theologically for us. 
But that's a part of the deal, Jesus was saying. That's just a part of the deal. We, for, for Jesus, his understanding was that he lived in a, in a world where the natural intersects with the supernatural, and, 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 and you have to deal with it when the supernatural happens. When the enemy rears his ugly head, you stomp on it. <laughs> right? When the enemy rears his ugly head, he's some. I, I, we were with a missionary in Guatemala. I've told this story before. And we got talking. As we were talking about deliverance and how that would work and what ministry would mean and, and all of that. And he was like, ah, I just rebuked the devil in case he's there. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a way in which, you know, we don't understand the supernatural. We don't understand the mysteries of how it goes. But, but there's, there is the reality that there are spirits in the world that are wanting us to live contrary to God, that are living themselves contrary to God. And sometimes the reality is that we simply need to deal with them. And as a pastor, and, and most other pastors would have experienced this, and lots of you would experience this, that, that there are times when, when you have to just roll up your sleeves and, and, and work to set someone free. Now, sometimes that happens in a really, really uh, laid-back, like, chilled-out way. Uh, you know, it was just a few weeks ago, I was, up at, I was up at Equator Coffee. I was up at Equator three or four weeks ago. I delivered someone of a demon in your shop. Uh, <laughs> it was good times. Uh, you know, just talking with somebody, we were there, and, and I, I was talking with them. We were talking about some of the pain and, and the rejection that they struggled with. And every time I would talk to them, uh, they, would, they, would, they would say a reason why they couldn't be free. They would just say a reason why they couldn't be free. And, and, and I could tell that I wasn't really talking just to that person. I could tell that I was talking to something that was influencing them, something more than, than just their own consciousness. And, and I just sat there in the coffee shop, sipping my cup of coffee, and I said, in Jesus' name, can I talk to so-and-so? because I don't want to make a scene, <laughs> right? And, and this person's like eyes rolled in the back of their head and they said, no. And I said, in Jesus' name, be gone. And I took another sip of my coffee. And all of a sudden, the person's eyes came bright and clear and bright and clear. And they just said, I've been rejected so many times in my life. I don't know if I could trust and we began to deal with that rejection in that person's life. And they're free. They're free. When the enemy raises his ugly head, you do deliverance in a coffee shop, and you don't have to make a scene. Sometimes I've seen a scene. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be like that, because we have authority in Christ to deal with this stuff. We have authority in Christ. There, you know. I remember I was in a I was in a deliverance session in a little church. It was a it was an Ang or it was a, a Lutheran church, and uh, and the people that were were going to pray for this person. It was a person who was in the service who, in the middle of worship, was like standing up and cursing and saying "curse Jesus" and and using the F word and swearing and was just just obviously a demonic presence, just like what Jesus experienced in, in the story early in his ministry uh, in, in Galilee, where he stood up to read the scriptures and the demon disrupted the, the time. And it was one of these things. And, and we came over into the side room to pray for this person, and I wasn't leading. I was just there. 
and, uh, and the people were like super, super religious and super intense spiritual warfare people who were trying to set this person free and they were yelling at this demon and they were, uh, this person was cursing at them and spitting at them. It was like a full-on scene. It was a pastor and, and, and some, lots of pastors have experienced things like this and they thought, we've got to get the holy water and they went and got the holy water and brought it to, to pray for this guy and the guy grabbed the holy water and drank it. I'll drink your holy water. <laughs> because because everything in their mentality was let's do this religious thing let's let's do this magic water and and then what this will work but it has nothing to do with that setting people free has everything to do with understanding the authority and the power of Jesus and I've ne- almost never almost never in my life had to raise my voice in a deliverance situation to just speak clearly with the authority of God and say that a person is free in Jesus' name, and they are set free, because God is good. That is a weapon of, uh, of, our, of our warfare, and it's through sin, or trauma, or curses, uh, to varying degrees, people can be depressed, or oppressed, or, or controlled uh, by a spirit. Sometimes people are tormented by nightmares, or tormented by repetitive thoughts, and sometimes we just take authority over these things in Jesus' name and, and deal with it. And then sometimes we are dealing with mental illness and we go see a psychiatrist, right? Like, so, so it, it's both of these things going on, but, but sometimes, and just whenever the enemy rears his ugly head, you stomp on it in the name of Jesus and get that person free in Jesus' name. And, and there's, there's probably a, a, a more thorough teaching on that would probably be important before you all try that in the parking lot. Uh, the, next great, uh, the next great weapon of the church is simply this, forgiveness. And you'll notice that that is underlined there. You'll notice that that word forgiveness is underlined because we're going to talk about forgiving in, in just a minute. But forgiveness. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. This is in Acts chapter 13. Uh, Paul is talking uh, with uh, a group of people. He's talking with, um, uh, shoot, where's my notes? Gone, I can't see where it is. Uh, He's talking uh, with a group of people. It's uh, in the book of Acts. And and they're saying, like, through, uh, uh, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins has been proclaimed to you. This is when Herod, or when he's talking about uh, King Agrippa. There we are, King Agrippa, I got it. Uh, Paul is actually on trial at this point, and he's, and he's talking to King Agrippa. He's making some uh, sort of argument for uh, what he's doing out there. He's talking to the brothers in Jerusalem. He's explaining his ministry to the Gentiles. And he says simply this, and he's summing up his whole ministry here. He says, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Paul proclaims the forgiveness of sins. Uh, That's been just an incredible thing that's happened on our couch a lot, and it's happened in cars, and it's happened in coffee shops. As people struggle with uh, their sin, they struggle with a sense of guilt. They struggle with, oh man, I've been under this addiction for so long. I've been under this pain it's been it's been such a hard thing uh, that the Lord has often, through the voice of the Spirit, uh, and, and this is something that that's possible for you as believers too, is to to just declare the truth of the forgiveness that Jesus has offered that person. In the name of Jesus, I declare you forgiven. 
I, I don't have authority to forgive sins. That, that authority belongs to Jesus alone. But when a person comes and confesses and shares uh, the pain that they've been wrestling with, what they've been struggling with, and, and an authentic desire, and an authentic remorse, uh, an authentic sense of, man, I want to be free from that, uh, we have authority as believers, and we see this in John chapter twenty twenty two to declare forgiveness. You're forgiven. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples after he's uh, been, been raised from the, the grave. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. Uh, it's a declaration of what the Lord has already done. And again, not in human authority, not in my authority, but, but a declaration of what the Lord has done through his work on the cross. And, and people need to hear that. How many times do you need to hear that you're forgiven, that you're, you're set free? Uh, you know, and so often sometimes it's the case of somebody who's, who's actually been wounded in a situation or had something happen to them. Uh, there's, there's lots of people that we love who, who have been abused, uh, who have experienced uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse or, or something. And, and so often those people will even be carrying guilt. A sense that, oh, I didn't defend myself. A sense I didn't... Uh, deal with that in, in in the right way. And we know that that person isn't carrying any guilt. We know that that person has done nothing wrong. We know that a sin has been done against that person and not by that person. But even, even in that moment, uh, sometimes it's important to just uh, declare forgiveness and to help that person. That's, that's what we mean when we're telling people to, to help them forgive themselves. To say, it, it's dealt with. It's dealt with. It's dealt with. You can release this. You can release this burden. You don't have to carry this on your shoulders. And, and we've seen people just take on a new lightness of being, a new freedom, a, a, a new joy. Uh, I, I remember praying for this one lady in, uh, in, uh, in Toronto, and, and she was a woman who was... Um, in a, in a place where she had had a, had an affair early on in her her life, and her marriage had fallen apart, and and uh, and she she destroyed that, and she was she was an older lady, she was in her probably her sixties or seventies, and this is something that had happened in her twenties, and and I was just on the prayer uh, lines on the prayer team, I was just praying for them, and she just blurted it out. You could tell the Lord was all over her. She's like, I had an affair when I was twenty, and I'm like, that's a long time ago. I said, you're forgiven in Jesus' name. And she just shrieked. She's, woo! She just shrieked. And she just went running. She just did a little dancing around behind where we were praying for her. And just ran in circles. Like she was just freed from that weight, from that burden. She just needed to hear somebody with skin on say, you're forgiven and free. You're forgiven and free. And, and, and it just released joy in her life that, that she not experienced before. Uh, forgiving is important as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says this, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Well, what does that mean? 
if I don't forgive someone for something they've done to me, like what does that have to do with me? I didn't do anything to them. I didn't do anything to them. I, I didn't hurt them. Uh, they, like, they, they can just deal with it. Like they left me. They abused me. They, they hurt me. I don't, I don't need to forgive them. They need to deal with God. They need to deal with God with that. And we carry these burdens of judgment against other people. And always that burden of judgment we carry against other people imprisons us. The burden of judgment we carry against other people imprisons us. And this one, almost more than any of the other uh, stories I've told of deliverance, of confession, of, of all of these things, I, we've seen so many people just come free by forgiving somebody and just speaking out that forgiveness uh, when, when somebody's done something to them. Uh, it could be somebody who's done something to you a long, long time ago when you were just a child. And, and you were rejected by them. They, they pushed you on the school bus and you fell down and you were embarrassed. And, and you're always nervous then in social situations for years and years and years to come. I don't know how to relate to people. I, I, I'm really shy in crowds. I'm, I, I'm nervous. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like being in church. This is a, a story of another person uh, in, in the last year. Uh, I don't really like crowds. I don't l- really like being in church. Something about it just makes me squirrely. And I'm like, were you ever in a situation that was public where, where you, were, you were sort of embarrassed? The person described being shoved forward in a school bus and all the students laughing. And we prayed with that person and said, okay, the Lord is going to heal you here. He's going to heal your heart, but you're going to have to forgive that person who did that to you. You're going to have to let them go because all your life you've been judging every other person and expecting people to push you down on the school bus. People that you don't know, people that could love you, and people that could care for you, people that could embrace you in the church, and you feared that every one of them could be that person to shove you down the row in the school bus. Carrying that judgment against the one has caused you to carry a judgment about them all. And unless you release that judgment against that one, you're not going to be free. And without making eye contact, that person's here this morning and seems to be relatively happy. God is good. God is good. He sets us free. He sets us free. Right? And and it might not it might be abuse. It might be I mean there's this is probably should be a sermon series on each one of these things, but but God sets us free when we release forgiveness. I mean, Jesus takes it to the next step in that, in that verse. You know, Jesus says, um, oh, where'd it go? My notes are crazy. Um, Jesus uh, says, and anyone that you don't forgive won't be forgiven. And if you don't forgive someone who, uh, who has sinned against you, you won't be forgiven. Like he, he just puts an absolutely fine point on it, that, that our judgments against others come back and become judgments against us. 
And so uh, that might be your case. You may, maybe you're in a place where you've been in lots of relationships where it seems like someone always hurts you or someone always does something to offend you and you're a person who's easily offended. There, there, there's very likely some unforgiveness there that you need to wrestle with from early on to get free enough to be able to trust people in relationships going forward. And we see this with, with abuse victims, but we see this with uh, simple little things as well. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. Uh, we've seen forgiveness uh, be an incredible healing work and being tied to physical illness. Um, I, I remember praying for, for a guy who had a really messed up shoulder. He'd had a shoulder that had been messed up for years. Uh, this was in a service that uh, we were doing in Toronto. And, and, I, and, and this is like really demoing healing. I'm like, okay, raise your arm as high as you can go. And he, and he raised his arm sort of as high as he could go. I said, what happened to your shoulder? What happened to your shoulder? And he's like, I was in a car accident a few years ago. And, uh, and I wrecked my shoulder and it's just not healed right. Something's, something's wrong with it. And I said, did you ever forgive that person who, who healed? you in that car was it your, was the accident your fault no somebody hit me I was so mad I was so frustrated I'm like could you release forgiveness to that person who who t-boned you could you release forgiveness to them and I know forgiveness is hard I know that that person doesn't deserve it but as a free gift from your heart could you forgive that person and set them free and he said, yeah, I, I could say the words, and I don't know if I believe it. Well, I said, well, let's just say the words and let faith fill your heart uh, later. And, and we prayed through forgiveness uh, for that person. This is on a stage with 2,000 people in the room. And, uh, and, and he says, okay, I said, now lift up your arm. And he goes, freak out, like the pain absolutely gone absolutely gone. Sometimes our unforgiveness, our, our judgments against others, the weight that we carry of things, these things show up in our physical body. Very often when we're praying for people with arthritis, I'll pray into bitterness. Uh, that they've got a, a, a long faithfulness, a, a frustration against working long term against a hard situation. And we'll pray that they release forgiveness to those who made their life hard. And all of a sudden we see a reduction in inflammation and healing begin to come to the joints. So God does this. All of these things are his kindness that lead us to repentance. All of these things lead us to turning around and taking a different path. All of these things lead us to uh, following Jesus and fulfilling uh, his kingdom mission for us. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Uh, the final uh, weapon of the church and really the result of all of this ministry that Jesus does in our hearts is return to highlighted root. Uh, repentance is that moment where we fall to our knees and realize that the thing we've been chasing is sin and we need to leave it behind. But what repentance really is, is the journey of returning to that highlighted root, returning to that kingdom mission, returning to what God has called us to be. Uh, it's described this way in Acts 26. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. All of this ministry, all of this work, all of the application, all of bringing to bear the ancient weapons of the church uh, returns us to the path and the plan and the purpose of God and to the mission that he has for us. He's so good. He's so gracious. He has such an amazing plan for each of us. 
And as we get our hearts healed and we get our, our burdens dealt with, as we conquer, we return to the mission. We return to the plan of God. And we'll just wrap it up by coming back to this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even to death. All of this overcoming is through the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. Uh, Overcoming the enemy is through the declaration of the work that he's done in our hearts, the transformation that he's done in us. And then loving not our lives so much, but loving that mission and spending our lives to tell that story and to bring to bear the ancient weapons of the church in our lives and the lives of others. And the enemy in that is conquered, is conquered. Let's stand up. Father, I just know that through this uh, conversation that there have been so many moments for so many people when they've thought, oh man, that's my deal. Oh man, that's my issue. I have that secret that I need to confess. I need to renounce that behavior. I've been tormented by those nightmares. I need to know I'm forgiven. I need to forgive somebody else. Lord, even here in this moment, would you bring to bear the ancient weapons of the church and set us free? Would you give us courage uh, to uh, do that work in our hearts with you to be transformed? If we need to confess, would you let us find a brother or sister to just whisper those words in their ear and shine the light on years of darkness. And through all of this, would you cause your church to thrive? Would you cause there to be across the body of Christ here in this community and and all over this town and all over this country, all over this region, a return to your highlighted route, a return to your path, a return to the work of the kingdom, that the church would thrive, that we would conquer, that we would conquer in love and grace as people who are being conquered by you. Would you conquer us, Jesus, we pray. In your holy name, amen.